that certain human beings have. Huh? Getting more complicated, right? Is it, getting, is it complex? You are following me? Just, just follow me and then write down your question. I hope that, you know, um, subsequent um, explanations will get us, you know, to be clearer about this, but write down your questions all the same. So what I've just said is that one of the practical implications of Christian assignment or, or Christian service as given by God is that God has given you your area of Christian service, what we call Christian ministry. I know why I'm shifting between service and ministry because I've not explained to you the word ministry. I'll get there. You remember I was talking about King James 1611. I said I will come back there later. Anything I say I will come back to later, I will definitely come back there. So we're going to see, talk about uh, this King James uh, something. So it is that when God gives you your area of Christian service, please notice this. This is something that the church has also failed to understand. And bear with me because I'm, I'm, I'm making this explanation because of some things I'm going to say which might sound so strange. But I, I hope after this explanation they will not be that or that strange. They might say appear you know, somewhat strange. So is that when God gives you an assignment, it is to solve certain problems that some human beings have. That is what your Christian service relates to. Let me explain. Let me go deeper. It suggests then that what you call, listen to this very carefully. This is where it's you know, becoming more interesting as well as strange, is that whatever God has given to you as your area of Christian service is something that must not, underscore, must not be limited to the, to the church or to what you do within the premises or the, of what we call the house of God, within the four walls of the church. So, for example, are you ready for these examples? Are you ready for these examples? This is why it is going to be strange, and I told us, you know, from the beginning that it will be like that. So, for instance, being into music is a, is a ministry. It's an area of service. But being in a choir is not. Getting more complex. Being into music. That, that you, you can say God has called me into music. You cannot say God has called me to sing in the choir. Being in music is a ministry. Singing in choir is not. Never mind, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to... That's why I said it's going to be strange, some things, but you will understand it better as I explain more and more. What it means is that 
Now, that somebody say, does that mean that having a choir in, in a church is wrong? Absolutely not wrong. Not wrong. Because the choir session of a church has a duty to perform in preparing the heart of the people before the message comes. That's why sometimes where, you know, it is possible, the, 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 the song they sing, you know, corresponds to the message of the day where such arrangement is possible. But whatever it is, it is to prepare the hearts of the people. It's just like, you know, cultivating the ground, you know, before you start planting and all of that. It's what the choir does in every church. And that assignment is very, very important. That's what you need to know. So those are, they say, choir is not a ministry. No, 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 no. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. Now, what I'm then saying, in effect, is that as an individual, from that definition, you have something God has called you to, to solve certain problems in the lives of certain people. And when it comes to problem solving, you can't be solving it just in the church alone. Let me, let me, before I explain this choir thing further, because I'm just using choir as an illustration, let me also use some other aspect as an illustration. Take teaching the Sunday school. Teaching is a ministry. Teaching in the Sunday school is not. I hope these people understand what I'm talking about. That's why I say I'm going to be sounding very strange, but I'm going to explain. See, teaching in the Sunday school, it means that God has called you to teach very carefully. This should be very clear. There is no contradiction. Somebody say, what about teaching this? I've taught in this Sunday school. One of the most important things that we do in church is teaching this is because how do we enlighten the people that come? We say, do we strap Sunday school or teaching? Or, no, no, no. What I'm saying in effect, in summary, let me get you to understand it, is that whatever, and I've said that earlier, whatever God has given to you as your area of Christian service should not be limited to doing it in the church alone. I said it earlier. Are you following me now? That is why, for example, there are some people, all they do is that they sing in the choir all the days of their lives. It means that you are not see. Eh? It's like God, good. I think this will explain it better. If you borrow from the corporate website, somebody saying, I'm an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, for instance, let's imagine that you have a shop, all right, where you are selling whatever you are selling. Are you with me? Now, as an entrepreneur, selling something in a shop is not a calling. Is it a calling? Is it a calling that you are selling something in the shop? It's not a calling. I'll give you another example. You are a medical doctor. That you are working in the general hospital is not a calling. What is your calling? Medicine, the practice of medicine, and it doesn't matter where you do it. And that is why you find some people work in the general hospital. They still have their own private practice. Am I talking? Why? Because, see, there is a difference between knowing and your, something as your area of service 
and the strategies or the means, means by which you will carry out that area of service is a different matter. The means is not the ministry. They are just means. So, now, singing the choir, as I said, very important because it is one of the areas that you are manifesting or, or use a, uh, another word, that you are carrying out your Christian service. But if you are really called into the ministry, why should you be limited to a choir? Somebody understand getting it better now? Do you see the difference now? Okay, good. I have taught Sunday school in the church for many, many years. But see what I'm doing today. This is not teaching Sunday school. But what if I didn't see beyond teachings on the school to what I'm doing today. So that's where people limit themselves because they take what they do in church as the ministry. They never take it as something that they do as a lifetime. And then begin to think of how do I expand this? Because, see, whatever you do in church is solving some problems for certain people. So now, why wouldn't you not solve this problem? Do we not have this same kind of people in other places out there? Why not make an arrangement to do that out there? That's what we are saying. That's what we are talking about. So, that's how we say Christian service is, 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 is a divine assignment given to an individual for the accomplishment of a purpose to solve certain problems in the lives of some people. So that's what, in any case, Christian service is a divine assignment. That divine assignment, now what? Leadership does. We are still coming to the area of leadership. We'll read Ephesians in just a moment. We'll just clear this ministry thing. Now, what, um, what leadership does is to help us to discover those areas. You know? And so that when they give you an appointment in the church, for instance, as a Sunday school teacher or as a member of the choir, it's a place you are starting from. Because in life, everything starts from the bottom, grows up. The only thing that starts from the top in life is the grave. Have you thought of it? Because the grave, you start digging from the top and then somebody ends at the bottom. Am I talking? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every other thing starts from the bottom. So, I'm coming to Ephesians. Ephesians is very interesting. Very, you're going to love it. Of, of the assignment of persons and all that. So, so, when they, so when you are appointed as a Sunday school teacher, it's like, hmm, we have identified a gift of teaching in the life of this individual. Only God knows what level you are going to carry it to, but you are starting from somewhere. For example, 
to underperform or to look down upon or not do well, that Sunday school teaching means that the person will never rise to become anything in the teaching ministry in life. To be functioning, you know, with levity in the choir shows that that person will never, there's no, they won't need him in the music world, in this world. And I will show you, I will show you scripture also. You know, I told you anything I say that I don't have a scripture for, throw it away. I'm going to show you scriptures. <laughs> in these different perspectives. So, but before I show you those scriptures, I will show you the scriptures when I come to Ephesians. But let's wrap up the ministry session, the Christian service session by looking at um, our second, uh, which, which I put as our final which is Matthew um, 20. I gave it to you earlier. Matthew 20, beginning from verse 20. I told us from verse 20 to 25, but which we are not, but let's just read. I mean, let me just tell you what is there instead of reading. But you wrote it down earlier. Matthew 20 is one of the texts. It's the third text you wrote down that I gave to you. Ephesians is the second one, which I will come to in a moment. But let's clear this. I can show you King James and some other things and just clear this. Then we come to Ephesians and then some things are clearer. Now, in Matthew 20, beginning from verse 20, a woman who has two sons as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ came to our Lord and he said to him, you know what, um, uh, Lord, give me a privilege. I have two sons as your disciples. I want each of them to sit one on the left, one on the right, when you get <laughs> your father's kingdom. Jesus said, oh, woman, I don't know. I don't think you know what you are talking about and all of that. Now, but Jesus said that he noticed, the Bible says Jesus noticed that the disciples had a grouse with the request of this woman and that they were mumbling amongst themselves. From the response of Jesus, to their grumblings, we could deduce what they were talking about, what they were thinking about. For instance, they must have been thinking something like, look, is it because the rest of us have no mothers that uh, our mothers can't come and make this request for us? I said, ah, sit down on your left and sit down on your right. And then they said, quickly, one of them must have said, look, look, look. Forget about even a mother asking with request. Any mother can ask anything, you know. He said, but even if somebody is going to sit by the left of Jesus and by the right, shouldn't it be by hierarchy? He must have come to that thought. Because the response of Jesus showed that this was what they were thinking. Shouldn't it be by hierarchy? And if it is by hierarchy, then we had better begin to know that hierarchy right now. Who is number one? Who is number two? Who is greatest? Who is <laughs> you understand what I'm so Jesus had them. That, that you won't read that in scripture, but we are reading in between the lines. You understand what I'm saying? And here is the response of Jesus from verse 25. Jesus said, you see that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And these rulers, I'm coming somewhere very serious. It is so serious that this something I'm saying affects 
the, the entire body of Christ in terms of the misunderstanding and misrepresentation of scripture that I told you earlier. I want to dig it out. And by the time I have dug it out, you are going to see that it's like that. Everywhere. Four square, ten square, wherever. Anywhere is like that. This thing I'm, I'm, I'm leading to. So now, so Jesus said, you see, the rulers of the general lords over them and and their officials love to exercise authority over them. Then he made an everlasting pronouncement. Ah. So sometimes I ask myself, when will the church come into the New Testament? I'm just a question I still keep asking. That's one of my major assignments, to bring the church back to the New Testament. Just, you know, because the church operates in the Old Testament more. And it is the New Testament that gave birth to the church because there's no church in the Old Testament. Anyway, so he said that. And then he made this everlasting statement. He said, not so with you. I hope you are reading with me. He said, not so with you. He said, whoever will be great among you, I, I love this. See, Whoever will be great among you, I wasn't even reading it from the something. He said, let him be your minister. That is one of the biggest confusions in the body of Christ. And look, I don't know why this text should be that misunderstood because this text, not like, 1 Corinthians 12, is just so very clear in what Jesus Christ was up to here. And I'm going to give you the explanation. So now, I want to look at this text for, for you to get the understanding of what I'm up to. I want to give, I want, to, I want us to look at this text in practical terms. The way the church takes this Today, let me put this this way. If you walk up into any congregation, any day, any church, anywhere, any Pentecostal church, anywhere in the world, if you just come in like this and you say, would the ministers here please rise or please stand? Who do you think will stand? Turning the Bible down. By that singular act, that it's only pastors that stand, means that people don't understand the Bible. And ah, see, look, it's all right for somebody to misunderstand some masters of future who understands everything anyway. But the thing is, for us to misunderstand the core of the New Testament, the heart of the New Testament, in relation to leadership, Christian, oppression, whatever, it's, it's just so, it's, it's, it's something to think about. Now, question is, what does this scripture mean? What was Jesus saying here? Jesus said, you guys are arguing about hierarchy amongst yourselves. You know what? The greatest among you should be your minister. Look at the next verse. It says, and whoever wants to exercise, whoever will be chief among you, let him be your 
servant. Hey. <laughs> Let me show you something very, very quickly. This is very interesting. I want to get you to understand the meaning of the word minister and the word servant. Look, if once you get hold of the meaning of those two words in scripture, we are done. You know, we just talk about Ephesians, then look at some other things, we go. We are just done. Because from what I've said, you know, so far in the first session, we have laid a very solid foundation, a very good foundation for you to understand this. Now, what does the word minister mean? From that text. We'll come back to verse 26. What does the word minister mean? Listen. The word minister means servant. Are you with me? And for you to understand that it means servant is that in some translations of the Bible like the NIV, the New Living Translation and so forth, it, that word is rendered servant, not minister. By the way, how many people carry the Bible that that verse 26 says servant? Grab it. So you see that in, in Bible, so you just not thank you very much in their Bible. So it says servant. Now, so you don't ask yourself, verse 26, in the King James Version, remember I said I would talk about King James Version, this is it, so I'm now on that King James stuff. So in verse 26, King James said minister. But then in verse 27, it says servant. But in other versions, it says servant, even in verse 26. Now, in verse 27, it says slave. Are you with me? For those of you who are not counting King James is what I'm talking about. Are you following? Does it say slave? Exactly. Because you cannot say servant, servant. God doesn't mean the same thing. Because the ones that are translated there, they are different. Alright? Now, without going to the Greek and all of that, but let me just help us to understand that the word that is translated servant is different from the word that is translated slave. That's why in other versions, not King James, in other versions, in verse 26, it said servant. And then in verse 27, it says slave, which is a more correct way of putting it. But here is the confusion which the church is, has been into. Is that in the King James Version, and the reason is that the church holds on to the King James Version of the Bible. I mean, there are even some churches that don't use, not Foursquare. Foursquare is more liberal than that. But there are some other churches that is only King James. If it's not King James, it's not Bible. It's in, because they call it authorized version. And <laughs> so if it's not King James, it's not the Bible. It's a misnomer. It's a misunderstanding. Somebody is just ignorant of something. So that's just why. But let's look at this. So in verse 27, I mean in verse 26, let's get back to verse 26. And then get back to the argument among the disciples. Listen to this. Listen to this. I want you to get that word minister clearly. Now, the word minister in the body of Christ today means the leaders. Especially as we are coming to see in Ephesians, all those apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, do you understand what I'm saying? Those are the ones that in the body of Christ we call the ministers. 
our ministers. But according to the Bible, who is a minister? This verse explains it to us forever. The disciples were, you know, that mother made that request. The disciples listened. The disciples were arguing about hierarchy. And who is even the greatest? Why should they? And then they were arguing about hierarchy. Do you think it will be reasonable for Jesus, thank God, verse 26 is up. Do you think it will be reasonable for Jesus to say, oh, okay, that's the argument among, you are looking for who is the greatest. You know what? The greatest among you are your leaders. What do you think they will say? Uh-huh. We said it before now. This one is coming to make a request. You have had it now. The greatest among us is the leaders. But that's not what Jesus said. Because if Jesus had said that, he would not have made sense. He would have confirmed their pride. Am I talking? Are you following? Because he would have said, you, you are anyone that's great among you, they are the leaders that are great. They say, that's what we are talking about. But Jesus Christ came to the very opposite. Remember the way he started. The rulers of the Gentiles think this way you are thinking. Jesus was saying to the disciples. And then he made that statement I made earlier. Not so with you. You must not think like that. Therefore, if you are not going to think like that, here is how to think from verse 26. It shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. As other translations have rightly rendered it. The word is servant. Are you with me? The word is servant. Let him be your servant. Jesus goes further, verse 27, to say, anyone, he said, whoever wants to be first among you. First means what? To be a leader, to be first in hierarchy, all those ones that you people are giving you want to be. If you want to be like that, be the what? The slave. Listen to this. A slave during those days was less than a servant. A slave and a servant does not mean the same thing, no. At that time, during the time of slave trade, a slave was less than a servant. A servant um, had rights. You could serve a master, you could decide to leave. A slave was the property of his owner. I'm sure you understand that. He had no right. You could, at that, you could kill your slave. There was no, you know, because it wasn't, it was a nobody. There was, it didn't exist. It was just there to serve you. And Jesus said, want to be, so Jesus used these two terms to represent leadership amongst us. Therefore, we say, now that word minister means servant. Anytime you see the word Minister in the King James substitute servant because it is there in other translations and I didn't write those translations. He said that there are 
they are trying to contemporize. They are trying to bring um, archaic um, English into contemporary terms. And I will explain to you in just a moment. And you are going to see the reason the church is not making progress there in just a moment. And until we, until we begin to change, I'm not talking about here, I mean the body of Christ, until we start to change, you know, we, just, we may not just make as much progress as we need to make. So, now, here you find that servant, anytime you see the word servant in King James, it means, I mean, you see the word minister, it means servant. When you see the word ministry, it means what? Service. In the King James, that's what it means. So, service, servant. So, when you see the word minister, it means what? Servant. You see the word uh, uh, ministry, uh, ministry, it means what? Service. Now, ask yourself that question. In the body of Christ, who is not a servant? As a matter of fact, in four square, we say, you are saved to what? serve. Which means, listen, in the church when they say, let all ministers rise. How many people do you think should stand? If you understand what I'm saying so far. How many people do you rise? Thank you very much. Everybody. Because the word minister means servant. Now, just before I give you the practical analysis and all of that and Go to Ephesians and close for this session. Let me tell you this. Let me explain this. You ask yourself, ah. Okay, so why is it that in the King James Version, the word is, the word in verse 26 is minister. And in other translations, the word is servant. Is it that somebody just decided to change it? I don't like this word minister. Let's change it to servant. See the way it is? That's exactly what I was telling you in the first session, that when we come to this session, I will explain to you about the King James Version. Listen, the King James Version of the Bible was published in where? 1611, I told you. That is 17th century. What does that mean? It means that the English, listen, this is why the church is not making progress. Oh. The English inside of the King James Bible is 17th century English. Is somebody following me? 17th century English. That's why you find all those thou and die and, and, and comest and to thee and wentest, whatever. You understand something? Nobody, listen to me, nobody speaks the English of the King James Bible anywhere in the world today apart from the church. Imagine that. Why? Because the church is the slowest system on earth to change. Are you getting the point? The church is what? The slowest system on earth to change. Now, the owners of the language say, we don't speak like that again. The church said, no, we, it's, as it was in the beginning, <laughs> so now, so shall it ever be, we will continue to be like that. So we talk in King James, we pray in King James, 
we greet each other in King James and everything in King James version. We are still going there and went there. I mean, it, would you go to England now and meet somebody and say, I have come to thee that thou mayest lend this. Yeah, you're coming from. What are you missing? What are you talking about? Yeah, please, we just speak in the language I can understand. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody speaks it. So why is that language still speaking in the church? I mean, still spoken in the church. Now listen to this. How can we, in the 21st century, be effective to people of the 21st century, speaking to them in the 17th century language. They are back, backdated, back where we are, and we stick to it. And some people are very proud. You know, it's a subject for some other day, because if I show you some things about the King James, you are just going to change your mind. But it's a subject for some other day. So, now, so that's where we get the word minister from. And it then became an error in the church that we attribute to our leaders that word. And the church does not uh, 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 operate like that. The church does not, you know, it shouldn't be like that. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you with me? Are you with me? You know, because you are not answering, that's why. I, uh, <laughs> so, so that, that's, that's where it is. So, you can now find that means what? What is ministry? Who is a minister? A servant. A servant. Now, let's shift gear now and move on to the next level. Since you understand to this point, you know the origin of the word minister and you see that it's a misnomer, it's an aberration that it should be you know, ascribed only to our leaders. It's actually to everybody because the word simply means servant and we all are servants. Even though there are those who are kept over us, chosen over us as leaders, but we are all servants. For instance, like I said in the first session, if you went to a restaurant in the first in the 17th century, and a waiter were to attend to you. Know what we say? We say, "Welcome, sir. How may I? How may I? What? Is that you are not following? If you go to a restaurant in the in the 17th century." And a waiter came to you. The waiter will say, Welcome, sir. How may I minister to you? <laughs> you get it now? Welcome, sir. How may I minister to you? See, because in this restaurant, I am a minister. Did somebody get the gist now? How many people got the gist? Thank God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. So that's what it is. So that's the about. You see, in today's language, in today's use of English, you wouldn't go to a restaurant and somebody would say, I'm a minister to you. You say, minister, can, do I say, I, did I tell you I come for deliverance? 
I came for food. So a waiter today will say, Welcome, sir. How may I serve you? The same language. I mean, the same meaning for different words. Language is dynamic. Language moves. Nobody speaks King James English on earth. Can you imagine that the owners of the language say, we are not speaking this again, but the church say, we are still speaking it. Anything you like to do, we will be speaking it until Jesus comes. <laughs> so funny, isn't it? And it causes a lot of confusion. And there are other things like that in the King James language like that, that, you know, that I could be talking about, but that's just um, a, a, an assignment for some other day. So, but as I said, let's swing here now because you already understand up to this point now. Let's move on to Ephesians. So now you understand the meaning and the essence of Christian service. Meaning is that everyone is given an assignment by God. The essence is to accomplish a purpose we should go beyond the confines of the four walls of wherever church you find yourself. Do you understand that so far? How many people understand that so far? Can I see your hand if you understand that up to that level? Thank you very much. So let's swing here. Let's move on now. To Ephesians 4. The question we want to answer now is what is the place of Christian leadership, which is one of the targets we set for ourselves earlier. By the way, I guess we have accomplished two things now, the ministry of, the, the meaning of ministry as well as your place. But that your place is still going to be further discovered in this session now. So let's just say we have attended to the meaning and essence of ministry. But here, in this in this session, this aspect, we're going to be discovering two things. One is the, 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 the primary assignment of Christian leadership, as I gave to you earlier as one of the objectives. Secondly, your role or your place in Christian service. So we'll be left with just one assignment, which is the gift thing. So if we are able to finish this, your five minutes break or whatever, and we just take a breather, and then we are return for the last one, if our leaders allow us to still do that much. Alright, so, let, let's go very quickly now to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read up from verse 11. Now, please pay attention because here, it defines forever. Listen to this. This passage tells us what the primary calling of a pastor is. It is, is unmistakably clear what that assignment is. Let's look at it. Ephesians 4 and um, let me read from verse 11. I'm reading from NIV. That's the New International Version, just in case your version is different. Ephesians 4:11. It was he who gave some to the apostles. Some. Now, 
please pay attention to the word some, some, some. You see that it didn't say most. It doesn't even say many, but it says some. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, do you get it up to that point? Now, let me make a point here very quickly. Then we return to that text. This is what members of the body of Christ call the fivefold. Are you with me? They call it what? The fivefold ministry. It's one of the is one of the misunderstandings, one of the mistakes that the body of Christ makes. There is, get this from today. There is no such thing as fivefold ministry. Ministry is more than fivefolded. Though Jesus, God didn't fold the ministry to five. The Bible does not fold ministry into five. We don't know who folded it, who folded it into five. The fivefold ministry. Now listen, I defined ministry earlier as a divine assignment given to an individual for the accomplishment of a purpose. Now listen, that means that there are in this world as many ministries as there are problems assigned to individuals to solve. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That's how the body of Christ is organized. Assignment solve problem. Assignment solve problem. So, so if you limit, now what we usually do is to limit what we call ministry. You see, that's, that's a misunderstanding of the concept of the word ministry, but now you understand what ministry is, that it is service. So, but the church limits ministry to what I've just read here. So, if you don't find yourself in any of these places, the church says you are not called into ministry. I want to say something else. That might be new to you, but this one is not too strange, but it might just be new. And here it is. That every child of God is called into ministry. I'm not sure that is new to you. All right? Every child of God is what? Is called into ministry. Listen to me. Some people will now say, this is what may be new to you. Some people will now say, I was called into ministry in 1992. Is somebody following me? Please hear what I want to say now very carefully. Sensitive area may be new, but easy to understand. I was called into ministry in 1992, and I tell people there's no such thing. There's no such thing as I was called to ministry in 1992, I was called to ministry in 1984, I was called to ministry in the year 2000. Absolutely not. Somebody say, eh. but that's when I was called to ministry. That's not when you were called to ministry. Listen to this. What makes us know? So I don't know, you know, sometimes we just mix these things. Even in first class, we said earlier, we said, you are saved to what? is the misunderstanding about you are saved to serve means according to scripture which I will be showing to us the day you step into salvation you step into ministry 
Absolutely. I was called in 1922. No, 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 no. You are not called in 1922. The day you got born again, you are also called. Somebody said, so what now happened to me in 1992? You discovered not called. <laughs> that, that this is an area you are also called to do. So he said, discovery is not a calling. You are called. That is, if God didn't need you, you would not have been saved. For that you are saved means that you are saved for an assignment, according to our definition of service, Christian service, you are saved for an assignment to accomplish a purpose for God. And that is the day, that's even the reason you are saved. Imagine Paul saying, I was called the ministry in 19, what will he say? Because God saved him on that way to Damascus, knowing the assignment he had in mind for him. What did God say concerning Jeremiah? When God called Jeremiah, he said, uh, you know, I, I'm too small for this. What did God say? Before you got into your mother's womb, this calling has been, I made you for this purpose. That's why I created you. That is what you exist for. Ladies and gentlemen, your Christian service is what you exist for. Absolutely. Your Christian service, your area of Christian service is the very reason for your existence. Hey, I don't have the time to tell us about two systems in collision in this world. The system of God, which is what we are describing now, the calling, and the system of the world that says, run to make ends meet. And when we find ourselves in this world, we find ourselves in this conflict that we are, we, everybody is running to make ends meet. No one is fulfilling purpose. Oh, yes. Who do you find that is fulfilling purpose? My family is hungry, so ministry, Christian service, what I'm created for. Look, I just, <laughs> if he can bring money, bring me into it. What are you talking about? That's what, that is what this, the world creates. That's the system the world fashioned for us. It is a slavery kind of system. And it enslaves everybody. Didn't you hear what our parents used to say? Go to school, get good grades so that you can get a good job. You are not made for a job. You are made for a purpose. And that you have a job does not mean that you are fulfilling purpose. Why just making ends mean? You are fortunate if your job is also your purpose. But for most people, it's not like that. They are just going to collect salary to make ends meet. In which case, most lives in this world, including those of Christians, are just nothing but a waste. God regrets that he created some people. Yeah. But they are going to collect money. They are not fulfilling purpose. So, but when you now discover your assignment, which if time permits me, I will be discovered. Because in the 
that session, then you begin to fulfill it. All right, so you now find that ministry is not just fivefold. It is as varied and as many as there are problems in this world for God to solve. Just that God called you, go and solve this problem for me. God said, you know, these people have this problem, go and solve it for me, you know. Like that, an assignment that God has given unto us. Question now, which is key. A key question, I mean, two key questions we want to answer in this session. What is the responsibility of Christian leadership, our pastors, and what is my own responsibility as a member of the church? Well spelled out in that scripture we were reading. All right, so let's read further. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Verse 12. To prepare, listen to this forever, people of God. I didn't write it, you didn't write it. This is just there. This is God's command. This, this is the system God put in place. Like I said, once we bastardize God's system, we are in for chaos and confusion. This is the system. It says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and so on and so forth up to verse 16 which I gave to us earlier. What does that mean? Who can tell me what the assignment of Christian leaders is here? The primary calling of a Christian leader. What is it according to this text? To do what? So clear. To do what? To serve. You say to serve. You also say to serve. Everybody say to serve. See, that's the wahala we have in the body of Christ. Because of this misunderstanding. Thank you, sir. I said, I said it. See, according to this test, and I'm going to be showing you in other uh, versions, is that the, the primary assignment of pastors is to prepare, to equip, to empower, to enable, to build, to mold, to nurture members of the church, listen, so that these members can do the work of the ministry. According to this text, who owns the work of the ministry? These people are not answering. Who owns the work of the ministry? Who owns the work of the ministry? It is members. Let me remind you. In the last session, one of the comparisons we made between the body, human body and the body of Christ is that in the, in the, in the, in the human body, the parts do the work. You remember? And so it is in the body of Christ. Or so it should be. So the Bible says that the assignment of pastors is to prepare, to train, to empower, to equip, to nurture, to build, to enable members to do the work. So, listen to this. Let's, let's merge first session principles to what we have just said here now. So it becomes one. Is that in the first session we said we are not volunteers. 
We are called of God, listen to this, to accomplish a purpose. Remember our definition of Christian service. It is an assignment given to you. It's not given to pastors alone. Pastors have their own, you know, assignment. But given to you for the accomplishment of a purpose. The work, so that's what we got in the first session. That you are not a volunteer. Now, the work of pastors now is to prepare us to enable you fulfill that calling to which God called you. Are you, are you clear on this now? You understand it? So listen. The only assignment according to scripture that pastors have is preparing us. Therefore, by that standard, we are the ones that are privileged to have a pastor who can prepare me. Let me give you an example, you know, because the way you are listening to me does not show you know that what I'm saying is just the way things are. Listen, before I give you the example, very clear example, I am called of God. The day I became born again, the day I became saved, born again, whatever, already God had something in mind for me to do, so he saved me to be able to carry out that thing. So now, listen, I am saved. So I came into Christ ignorant of anything. I only know about where I was coming from, you know, but things about purpose, all this one I'm saying now, no, people are ignorant about it. So then, I need someone who can do certain things in my life for me to be able to fulfill that calling for which I was saved. What are those? I need someone, listen, who will help me to discover my calling, my gifts, my potential, the purpose and direction of God for my life. I need someone who can help me after this God to develop it. Are you following what I'm saying? To develop it. And then to begin to deploy it and to maximize it so that I can do it. Now, listen to this. The big, you know, I think it was Bob Marley who said, the, big, the biggest man you will ever see was once a baby. Now, how did the adeboyers of this world become who they are? Ademoye was a lecturer at the University of Lagos, professor of mathematics or so, and then also, then he got saved. Then he came into Christ. Okay, professor of mathematics, but he knew nothing about Christian, Christian. Now, listen, I know why I picked him. I picked him simply because of the level of his achievement today. But I could actually appreciate anybody who did for whatever our own overseer and whatever, you know, but let's just use him as an example of every one of those ones that we could pick. So listen, he has the level of achievement he has today. I hope you know that he is not the founder of the redeemed Christian church. Papa Kendai Omi was, are you with me? Papa Kendai Omi was the founder of the 
redeemed Christian Church of God. He was even going to hand it over to Foursquare when, when you know, he, was, he knew he was soon going to be with the Lord. He was to hand over. Go and check that history very well. Anything I say, you know, confirm it. But to hand it over to Foursquare, but certain things took place which I don't want to go into, and then he changed his mind. And then he had to begin to look inward to somebody. And then, in the final analysis, long story short, he found, you know, that person in. Um, Brother Adejari Adeboy, Enoch Adejari Adeboy. <laughs> Brother back there. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Everything that man has achieved today in terms of what you call ministry, because he's also doing his Christian service, that's what he's up to. Everything he has achieved today, somebody brought him up coming somewhere very seriously. Somebody brought him up to be able to accomplish that through, you know, staying in the church, going through Sunday school, going for evangelism. Imagine if, for example, if they come for evangelism, you know, I'm a professor for, for, for mathematics. I mean, people like God don't go for evangelism. Come to Sunday school, you no, know, I'm a professor for mathematics. What we do like this? That, ah, that if this man, you know what I have in mind for him, he will just run. But he's not running right now. But thank God for him. God and he didn't know. He never knew what God had in mind for him. He didn't know. You, don't, you also don't know what God has in mind for you. He didn't know. A general officer, the one that is there today, didn't know. The ones in the past didn't know anything that they were going to become soon. They just saw that they were saved. They were in first grand going through the process, come to Sunday school, as you know, and then they march through the process, and then they become. Are you following what I'm saying? So, now, that, that's exactly something that we need to look at. And then he went through the process and all of that, and then all this time, God was looking at him. And he had this, the, the accomplishment he has today God already had a mind for him when he was saved. But ladies and gentlemen, he had to pass through. There is that passing through of God to become. Jesus put it this way. Follow me and I will make you. Some people say fishers of men. I don't care. Fishers of men, fishers of Fish, fish as a, doesn't matter. What matters, sir, is that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Were they made or they were not made? To the point that even people in their generation said, ah, in the eyes of the apostles, say, all this ignorance. The Bible said, and they perceived, they, said, they were ignorant, unlearned, illiterate. He said, but they perceived ah, that they have been my God. God, with Jesus. Listen to me. You know, some people jump from church to church. Very dangerous. English people say, a rolling stone. God has no moss. Just go jump from church to church, from mountain of fire to mountain of vision, from mountain of first square to mountain. You know, people just jump from church to church like that. And so, they become nothing. Why? They don't have the grace 
to follow. Listen to me. Any leadership, if you will look, it is the way anybody becomes anything in this. You know how many t- people Tinumbu has made? Are you following what I'm saying? Have you ever heard of Sanro Olu before? I mean, the one is in there with nobody knows anybody. I mean, you know, all these people he brings and the last one before some old, you know. Nobody knew about any of these people. But today they are made. Because they've been following. And you know that there were some people, there are still some people around there, you know, in the party and all of that before he picked all this one and anointed. So it's the same way God does. Now, now he, he looks as I say, follow. I tell you what. Any leader, anywhere, particularly in the church, that God brings your way, ladies and gentlemen, it is to make you become. So, learn from, they carry something. These ones are not here by us. Tomorrow now, maybe they transfer them, whatever, I don't know. They might be there for, you know, number of years ago. Who knows? But the thing is, while they are here, you know, providence, listen to this statement. You may want to write it down. You may want to hide it in your head, wherever. But providence brings people together in life and there is no accident in providence. Did somebody hear what I just said? Ah, you see all these people that are sitting down together now? They may not understand. Providence has brought them, brought them together. You had better make the best of this opportunity that you are What can I learn from this? Because it's going to move on. And it is only then that sometimes we don't know the value of an opportunity until we lose it. Has it occurred to you like that? And that brother was so available that he said, I did ah, I should have known it now. So, so what you have, pastors, listen to me. It's a serious point. I want I don't, I, I want us to you know take very seriously. When you have pastors, they are not there by accident. At the time they are there. The fact that they are there when you are there. Okay, so ask yourself, why are they here now? Because they didn't start from here. And why are you here now? So the fact that providence has brought you together is to ask, what must I tap into? In this life, before they move on, that will lead me to my next level. Because if they move on and you don't tap into it, you are likely to stagnate. It doesn't answer to prayer. It doesn't answer to fasting. It doesn't answer to giving. It doesn't answer to tithing. It answers to following. It answers to recognition that this is an opportunity before me. And before he moves away, I must stop. Ah. I need to tap because he's going to move on. <laughs> and then I will now know. So, 
So, so what I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. So the Bible says that's the way God organized the church. It's a very perfect arrangement. You, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't improve on it. That he says, he gave some. Imagine, some. Why not many? No, there's no, he doesn't need many. And that's the same way it is in the world. Workers are always more than leaders. But in the church, it is the, it is the leaders. You know, it is the workers who want to you know, send leaders. You know, that, that's just the way we do. So, he chose them to do what? To equip me. So it means that when I come into Christ, ignorant and everything, every program that God has for my life, for whatever we become, he has put, oh God, in the hands of some people that I have to pass through. And that's their assignment. That's the only assignment pastors have. So it is I who am privileged to have them. What do you think? It was a deployee that was privileged to have Papa Akindayomi over his life. Otherwise, it would just be one professor. Of, how many professors of mathematics do you know? They are just professing them in the school and then nobody, they are not in the map of even their village. That man today, I mean, he just, he just, he has become an institution. You understand what I'm saying? By following. If he was proud, you know, I'm a professor, and then he was doing all sorts of things, there's no way he would have just, you know, fizzled out. You know that this man, professor of mathematics, Papa Akindai or me was more than illiterate. More than illiterate. And then he, he used to preach in Yoruba, and the now Papa Deboye will be, interpre- will be interpreting into English for him. You know the way it is in the academics. You know, the academia, people would have made fun of him. Okay, well, the man said he gave himself to Christ. I don't understand all this giving to Christ, you know. Where was he before and all that? Okay, we don't even begrudge the father. He said he gave himself to Christ. But what of these Arawa see that is now doing, you know, that uh, somebody is saying he needs it and then he will be interpreting as it. You know, people would have said like, all those who talk like that about him now, nobody hears about them. They are fizzled out. They are forgotten. Nobody knows them. Let me give you a prophetic pronouncement. That where you are going, your ultimate in life may not be achieved by the certificates you carry. But by following the leadership that God has given to you, simple. Is it by mathematics that Adeboye is leading Redeem today? How many people even know that he's professor of mathematics? Who cares? He's going abroad now. All kinds of limousines will be parked in the airport or whatever, you know, to, for him and you know. You understand what I'm saying? So, what am I saying? Let's arrive at two things so that we can close this session and then if we have more time, we can move into the next session. If not, we see what to do. Is that the primary assignment 
of Christian leadership, the assignment, one can almost say the, about the only assignment God has given to Christian leadership, pastors, is to equip, prepare, punish, nurture, build, enable the rest of us members to discover, to develop, to deploy and maximize our different areas of Christian service. That means that who I am going to become is in the hands of the pastors and the leaders that God has given to me. That's how he is. That's how our general overseer became who he became. He passed through some people. And as he was going through the system and he was going up, people were watching him. So he didn't put himself to where he is now. People wouldn't, and then he was, he was, people were looking at him. The way he did it, you know, and all that. So, and that's just the way it is. So, if you look at our general overseer today now, me I will say thanks to the leaders we pass through. You know, there are some leaders that destroy people. Are you with me? You pass through them, you won't become anything. In point of fact, the person is destroyed. That's not the Christian leader. That's not Christian leader. That's what Jesus said. It must not be so among you. But the Christian leader Pastor, that's their primary husband. So today, if you have learned anything at all, it is the fact that one, you are not a volunteer. Is that the arrangement of God is for his church, oh, he has given to each one of us assignment for the building of the church, according to Ephesians 4, 12. And then he has assigned leaders over us to develop us. So, in actual fact is that a Christian should not be looking for those leaders. If, if you understand what I'm, I've been explaining, you will know that that's the system. I should not be the one looking for who will develop me. You understand what I'm saying? So, if I now, ever, I'm able to come across someone who can develop me, how privileged God has, you know, made me to be. Somebody will now say, hey, you see, we are supporting you. Supporting, who is supporting you? Okay, so who is supporting who now? By the way, let me ask you. Appeal to your conscience. Forget about everything I have said today. From what you have seen of scripture so far, who is supporting who? I need an answer to that question. Who is supporting who? Who do you think is supporting who? Anybody? Who is supporting who? Let one person represent the other and speak. Who is supporting who? Yes. The leader is supporting the member. How many people agree with that? Absolutely. We are the ones supporting us. Because we need them to become. Just like the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ needed Jesus to become. Let's be the name of the Lord. 
All of us that are here now, who knows what anybody will be? Did they write it on the forehead of our overseer now that, you know, this is the next overseer? Ten years ago, what did he know? Twenty years ago, what did he know? He was just passing through the process, being like everybody else. Attending workers' meeting just like you and I are sitting with local church. You understand what I'm saying? Just like we are doing. But that thing has been upon him. God has said, if this man continues this way, I will let him lead this organization. How do you know what God has placed upon you? But some, some people will drag their feet, drag their feet, and God will be like, ah, if this man should know a woman, what I have for him, he will pick up for here and do it fast. Now let's read that um, text, that Ephesians 4. Now if you read from the, from the NLT, the New Living Translation, verse 12 says, well, after mentioning verse, uh, verse 11, then verse 12 in the NLT says, and their responsibility is, how many people have New Living Translation Bible? You have it. Please read. Please read from verse 11 so that you get it in context. Yes. He gave these gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Look at it. Say, their responsibility. Now, thank you very much, my sister. I just want to emphasize that what is clearer than that? I have mentioned this leader, so the only responsibility God has given to them is what? To equip God's people to do his work. Look, I didn't write this, you know. I'm just the mouthpiece of God to go about explaining it to the church. To equip God's people so that God's people can do what? Can do the work. So you see that the work is ours. Our leaders are to equip us. Part of that equipping is what brought me, is what we are doing here today, the training. Part of the equipping is what the system people pass through learning Sunday school. Pass through Sunday school and workers' training classes and whatever process we pass through in the church is all part of the developmental process for my, for my sake, for my benefit. Ask yourself a question. What if you become born again and you don't go to any church for five years, for three years, for five, you just don't go to any church? Um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's just it. I'm waiting for the rapture. So <laughs> I'm in Christ. What would you know? What would such a person become? So the reason we look for a church is that we are looking for destiny makers. Pastors are called to be destiny makers. The primary assignment given to pastors is destiny making. Now, let me give this final explanation on this text. Please help me leave this text. Um, and then I will give this final explanation of it for you to see how important this is. And I tell you what, in some churches where their pastors are not trained, in some churches, 
Even pastors themselves, like good, like my brother has the question of autocratic and all of that. Those people don't understand this text. He said, see, this is, just like he said, this is my ministry. This is my ministry. You are here to help me to, to accomplish one. They don't understand. They, they miss it. See why I said in this session your question will be more answered. Because the, the assignment of any leader, I don't care what your ministry is, according to scripture, is that, as I'm going to explain now, God has placed people under you and your responsibility is make them. Let me give you that final explanation for you to understand. Permit me, I'm going to talk Greek again. <laughs> Never mind. It's where it's relevant and I will explain. Their responsibility is, you know, or as it is in others, to, the word equip or prepare, as is used, you know, in some other uh, text, or perfect, as the King James. Those are the most common uh, ways that it is rendered. It's either equip or prepare or perfect. I think it's the King James that uses perfect. Listen to this. What is that word? I'm going to tell you the word. When I mention the word in Greek, just do as if you don't hear it. I, my, what concerns me, <laughs> just, just pretend as if you didn't hear me at all. What concerns me is the explanation of the meaning of that word that I want to make for us to understand this text better. The reason I say forget about the way you hear it is that the way the word sounds is something. That word that is translated equip is the word catartismos. Either it sounds like katakata or something like you know. So just forget about it. Don't worry about the... <laughs> don't, don't worry about catartismos or catartismon or you know, catartismon. Forget about it. But you know, the, I mentioned this for, for something. What is the meaning of that word? That is the Greek word that is translated for us into English. I know, I believe you know that the New Testament is written in, in Greek, right? Translated into different versions of it. So, so it is the word translated to, it is the word translated equip. What does the, what does the word catatismos or catatismon, what does it mean? Listen, this is the meaning. It means mending something that is broken. That's the meaning. Mending a broken object. It is using different words. Like, like when the disciples were mending their net, it's the same word that was used. So when you are rearrange a broken bone like you do in the orthopedic hospital, mending, that's what it means. That's the meaning of that word, mending. What, what does that mean in practical terms in relation to assignment of pastors and leaders? Listen to this. Because we all are leaders as well. Listen to this. It means somebody is coming from outside, an unbeliever, and then he comes into the church and he's saved. But listen, like I was answering my brother's a question earlier when he talked about uh, what do you do to workers that are not performing and incidentally um, he's not here now but see 
When he walks in like that and he says, you see, he's coming from a past where it is possible that he is broken, disappointed, hopeless, shattered, disillusioned, all kinds of things, depressed, frustrated. You understand what I'm saying? He's coming from that world. So, Picture somebody like that. And then he comes into the church. I know what God is saying. God is saying to every pastor, he said, look at this life. Shattered, broken, hopeless, almost useless and everything. I have brought this life to you to equip to catatismos this person. What does that mean? In other words, repair my God. Rebuild, mold, renovate, work on this individual, enable, empower, equip, you understand? Nurture this individual to the point where he can become an individual who, in spite of his past, can accomplish my purpose for his life. That's the responsibility of pastors. What a responsibility. Ah! So great. Let me now ask you. Ask yourself this question. In churches all over the place, how many pastors are fulfilling that responsibility? That, that you walk into their, their, their leadership and you, they make you, you are made. You see, all those autocratic things you are talking about, it is the people that make the pastor. The pastor doesn't make anybody. You understand what, I'm, what I mean? I don't want to elaborate it more than that. So they emphasize giving, they emphasize this, they emphasize that, fulfillment of ministry. You are helping them to build, 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 build. You want to build hospital, you want to build university, you want to build this, you want to build that. You want to build. So my ministry, my ministry, my ministry. Ah, what are you talking about? There is only one ministry God has given to Christian leadership. More enable this life, repair these broken people, make these people who I have, you know, called them to be. Not that we are going to be there and then we'll be contributing, 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 contributing. And then, and then we are making, you know, we make the man. <laughs> and then one day now, we make him so he buy a private jet. Is that the calling? That's why I thank God for four square. That a calling? Everyone has a calling upon his life for which the pastor, and then we are getting the understanding also that the work is not the work of our pastors. They don't know what they are paid for, or what they are employed for, or what. They, no. It's what the Bible gives to them as the assignment. That I am privileged. I need to tap into the grace of God upon their lives for them to equip me and for, them, for me to become what I need to be. So finally for this session is that 
What then is my own? As a part of, or let's use the King James Version, as a member. In a church, very simple. I am in that church, wherever I am, to discover the calling and purpose of God for my life through the leadership of the church and then to engage myself in the fulfillment of that purpose. I want to say it again. The, your, the reason you are there in any church is to discover the calling and purpose of God for your life through the leadership of the pastors and others that God has given unto you and then move ahead and fulfill that purpose. That's it. You are not there to support the pastor's work. Now, let me now help us understand something. Listen to me. Listen to me. Somebody now said, okay, so we are building buildings and then we are trying to put facilities in place and all of that. So, so what is now my role in that one? Because that's the work of the pastor. That's what the pastors want me to do now. No, we are missing it. When we build, when we, when we assist in, you know, I didn't say when we assist the pastors because you are not, it's not the pastor you are assisting. When you are, we assist in putting structures and facilities in place, that is befitting to bring people and all of that, we are doing two things. One, we are equally empowering ourselves. We are making it easier for our leaders to equip us. So we are doing it for God. We are not doing it for them. Absolutely. We are not doing it for them. We are doing it for God. We are also making it possible for others like us who are still out there, broken, shattered, hopeless, and whatever, to be able to come in and be made. Let us then imagine that as I'm speaking now, there's no microphone, there's no speaker, all these PA system things are not there, there's no fan, there's no light, there's no anything. We are now here. How convenient do you think this place will be? You would have been tired by now. There's no provision of the snacks we take, the lunch you are going to eat. And, you know, so, so, so it means that we are not, we won't, we won't find it comfortable. So when we do it, we are only facilitating the work of God in equipping us. Am I right? That's what we are doing. Some people say, you see that the pastors are using us. Using us for what? It's not their house. Everybody came here and then at the end of the day we all go home. <laughs> it's not their house. Look at, so, look at the type of chairs we are sitting on. In some places now, they sit on plastic chairs. You see the difference in convenience. See how comfortable you are now. It's my making myself comfortable. And those that we come from us are so, and whatever I do, I know that I am doing it in service to the almighty God. Because the pastors too are also doing it in service 
to God. They are not doing it, for instance, in service to four square. They, uh, if I build this place now, tomorrow, you know, only God knows where we will be and transfer me. And then, let me just, no, they are not doing it like that. It's just like, wherever I am, whatever I do, I am doing it in service to God. Same with you. So you are doing it in service to God. So, and there is that place of your contribution, your time, your money. In fact, to me, I think this, this is what should make us to do it now with joy. And greater is knowing that, look, I'm actually helping myself and helping those that are out there that will still come, you know, when I do these things. So there will be no need to, when I, when I was pastor in the church, by going into training, because training takes me out and all of that, but when I was pastor in the church, my members had understanding such that we didn't use to raise funds for anything. They were taught such that my come up in the second session, I mean last session, you are able to get there. But they were turned to the point that people just walk into the church, ah, there's a need here. They just do it. One day somebody went to Alabama market, just bought, bought drum set, um, keyboard, you know, recording machines and all that. On one day, just brought it to the church. We just got to the church and just saw that it was there. And so people have just come to the church, see what needs to be done, do it. We are not raising funds. We are not, once we announce, so we need, and sometimes we don't even announce, but people see what is needed, and they are doing it. Why? Because they were they believe that they were doing it in service to the Almighty God. They were doing it to facilitate their own training, their own becoming. Because the more facilities we have, the faster I can then speed up the leadership can be now speed up my training. And then, you know, move on. Look at those people walking at the back there. The, um, you know, all these are engineers and all of that. They are putting some things in place and all that can help us after this time. You see that if their work, assuming their work is not there, something big will be missing. It won't be as convenient for us as we are doing it now. Perhaps they are recording, perhaps they are whatever. Look at all these things that we are able to read. Whether you come with your Bible, you don't come with your Bible, it's flash on, you know. So it is... When whatever we're doing in contributing to the facilities, we are helping ourselves. And remember, there are some people still out there that are hopeless, broken, you know, depressed and all of that, that God is going to bring into this place. And when they come, they find what I call a house of rest. The ambience. When I entered into this place, even though I know that it is still very much under construction, you know, renovation is taking place and all that. But when I came around, the ambience, I love the ambience of this place. I said it in my introduction. Just love the environment. I love the, what I saw, the facilities. I told myself, ah, this is, this is, this is the quality of leadership, you know, that is here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now, in this session, you understand the primary assignment of Christian leadership. If anybody asks you today, what is the assignment of pastor self? You know it, without mincing words. And then say, okay, so if, you know, pastor self, what then is our own assignment? I'm the one that will do the work of the ministry. They are only to 
equip me to be able to do it. To enlighten me. To train me. <laughs> so that I can do it. Rehabonke. Billy Graham. All these people, they passed through some people who equipped them. That's why the quality of the leadership we pass through also determine the kind of future we possess. True or false? Very true. Very true. Isn't some people go to some churches, sorry to mention, like winners and so on and so forth, because they see the achievement of the man of God there. And I wish that people like that, just for the important answer to your question is that, I wish that people like that would equip people because the reason people go to a place like winners is that I want to become like Oyedepo. Whatever grace he has in his life that is giving him this great achievement that he has, I want to learn it and become like him or even beat him. But nobody is showing anybody anything. I don't want to, I don't want to say more than that. That's just the way I look at it. Nobody's showing anybody anything, you know. People are just giving and just contributing and just this and just that and just, you know. So, 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 so the becoming may not be taking place. When Oyedepo started, it wasn't like that. In actual fact, I mean, was teaching and healing in terms of business, entrepreneurship and all that, you know, but all that has changed. And for many, 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 all these autocratic something that you do, it's just like that. People come in because they see the leader as, ah, yeah, he's an achiever. If I stay under him, I'll become, but that process of becoming is not that. But I want to thank God for the first square church because the system is such that every pastor is just like, you know, sacrificing. They just don't want to be. Some people even spend their own money. You know, they just want to make sure that things go the way it should go. I trust that from today, with the little understanding we have, your Christian service unto God will be much, much better in the name of Jesus. You will accomplish more. The Lord will give you the resources that you need from the leaders, from other sources that will equip you to fulfill his purpose and program for your life in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for you that as you are moving on, whatever you do, you are doing it in service to God, not as a volunteer. You are seeing it as, ah, this is the responsibility God has given unto my hand. And you will do it to the utmost of your ability in the mighty name of Jesus. And what is more, the Lord will reward you. Whatever you lay your hands to do, the Lord will prosper it to encourage you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I always say, God, if people do, and you don't encourage them by putting a difference between those who do and those who don't do, those who don't do will say, you, where they do, and what are, can we see? You know, people will talk like that. They will say, where they sleep for church, where is it? I always pray to God and I pray for you. The difference, the leader highly can tell him or howly, the difference 
that makes the difference. The difference that will make people to see and to know how profitable it is to serve faithfully, committedly unto God. God will make that difference in your life. That encouragement God will give me, he will give you. In the name of Jesus. Whatever we make people to say, you where they do and where is it? It shall not be so in our lives. In the name of Jesus. The Lord will continue to empower us. Thank you, mighty Father, for this session. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen and amen. All right, are we ready to take questions um, for this session? If we are allowed, we'll move on to the gift thing. If not, whatever our fathers say, that's what we do. Praise uh, the Lord. Yes, um, I'm sure it's getting better and better better and better. Perhaps we will see the need to have the length of session that we have put for this particular training. And if we are happy and if we think it is worth it, then we'll be glad to sit down that we'll continue. I'm sure we'll be glad that we continue. I'm sure we'll be happy and evidence of being happy is how we serve even by beginning tomorrow. So you won't say because you spend the whole time in the church and then tomorrow you come late. Uh -huh. So if the message is clear to every one of us,